This is Jesse Hensley. And this is Josh Turner. Welcome to Turn Down for What? Welcome back to Turn Down for What? Uh, on this week's episodes, we're going to cover some recent news that happened in the EV market. Uh, we're going to be discussing some of the technologies that are being uh, created around the batteries. Um, and then our main topic for the day is what the frunk. Yep. I'm going to also look uncomfortable and sweat a little bit more than last time. So that's always a, a positive thing. I can already tell it's coming. So. Oh, yeah. And uh, at the end, we have a uh, another EV driver that will be ringing in. Uh, currently drives a Kia EV6. What's the new SUV one? The EV9. EV9. That's the one that that's uh, not out yet that they are getting here locally. And we're going to probably go take a test drive on it when it comes in and uh, also see what it looks like as well. So, yep. Um, get, anyway, get, kick, kick us off with the news. All right. So, first off, Lordstown Motors has filed for bankruptcy. This is uh, chapter 11, I believe. Uh, they're also suing Foxconn. For, if I remember correctly, uh, $170 million. Now, um, Foxconn is in Ohio. It's a, a big plant. It used to be a General Motors plant. And they were making the uh, pickup truck that is in Lordstown. Uh, very nice-looking truck, a little different than what else is out there. Uh, they teamed up with Foxconn. Foxconn is a Taiwanese company that builds electronics. Everybody kind of knows them mostly from Apple. They are one of the companies that supplies their products and builds some of their products. And they teamed up with Foxconn to build this truck in America, and it has not went well for Foxconn. So what does that mean for the industry? Obviously, uh, without that truck coming to market, that's going to have less competition for the trucks that's out there. Uh, but the big question there becomes, what is going to happen to that plant? Now, Foxconn did announce that they're going to be still doing something out of that plant. And with their relationship with Apple, what do you think about the possibility that Foxconn might be working with them? And, you know, if the if the bankruptcy goes through, could Apple use that plant to kickstart the development of their Apple car? I mean, Apple's been kind of, I haven't heard much news around the Apple vehicle, but I mean, it seems like Lordstown never really got the momentum that some of the other uh, car manufacturers had, um, Rivian, I mean, brand new car manufacturer came on the scene, but they actually produced the vehicle and, you know, they, they had a lot of, um, you know, hype around their company, but it seems like Lordstown, uh, never had that much. Um, and I think that that, uh, could have been a reason that they tumbled, but I mean, I think Apple just having the presence that it is, I mean, we looked it up the other day, they are the largest company by market cap or is that another? Oh, one? Apple's always, yeah, Apple. Has, yeah. And it goes back and forth with a couple of the top companies out there, but they, you know, they, they have most of the cash and, and, uh, the coffers to do whatever they want to do. I mean, they, but with, but with their domination in the tech spectrum, they've never touched cars, but I have a feeling that if they found a system to introduce, to kind of come on the scene and produce their EV. Um, I think that, you know, this could be a viable fit, but one way or the other, I'm I'm very interested to see um, kind of how all that Is plays that out. Is that going to happen? Yeah. And, and Apple has been uh, working with the idea of, of building a car with, uh, I think it was Kia and Hyundai at one time. They were looking to utilize their factories to build their car. Might happen, might not happen. Uh, not a lot of information is out there about it. I know that some of these car companies that were, or tech companies that was looking into the car industry, have kind of slowed down their self-driving and 
and things like that. And it, it goes to show also, I think, how strong and how impressive other car companies that succeeded have been. Because here's a company like Apple who has all the resources in the world, and yet it's still difficult to get that vehicle off the ground where you have Tesla that did it from ground up. And, you know, there's been a lot of talk about some of the uh, QAQC or the quality control issues and some of the fit and fitment around the body panels. Uh, but again, you're starting from scratch, you know, so it's very difficult to learn that industry all at once. So companies like Tesla and companies like uh, uh, Rivian, it, it even makes it more impressive when they're able to make a product and put it out to market and have it as successful as they have. So. And it seems like Apple's kind of been sitting on the product. I mean, they had rumors back in 2015 around yep. the around the vehicle. Um, it's kind of been on and off rumor cycles. It seems like they're gaining momentum now. Uh, it's known as Project Titan. Yeah, I remember um, that. Yeah. But it's uh, supposed to be a self-driving electric vehicle, uh, supposed to have AI-specific features with Siri, um, expected to launch in 2026. Um, but that's something that, you know, there's not really much details on. Obviously, I think that they're working on mastering the, everything that they've done is very aesthetically pleasing, very functional. And so my guess it is works. That, yeah, my guess is they're very much looking at um, trying to design something that's going to really make a statement in the market. And they've, they've not wanted to release it until they've gotten all those pieces. They're more, they're too busy right now with uh, VR glasses. <laughs> Uh, but also, we'll have those here soon, and we'll yeah. try them on and see how fun. You have to wear so. the VR glasses while driving the vehicle. I wonder if you can do that. Uh, well, I guess if it's safe. a self-driving car, you can, and then it'll pop ads up everywhere as you're driving and things like that. Give you information. I mean, you never know. Something like that could probably happen. There's so. the future. Your phone yeah. will, your phone, your watch, and all that will sync with your car. <laughs> and... you, your, your windows go up, and it's nothing but ads. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, so anyway, so that's what's happening right now with Lordstown. It's. Uh, I hate it. I would like to see them be successful, but uh, it is what it is. Also, this week we have a new boat that is being announced by Porsche, of all people. It's called the, what is that? The Frasha X Porsche 850 Phantom Air. It's a very easy thing to say. It rolls off the tongue. So basically, this is a Porsche EV speedboat. And why not? You know, I mean, if you have a lot of money, let's see where it goes. Uh, there, there, couldn't find any prices on it, obviously. It's probably going to be a, astronomical. Cause I mean, a lot of these new things that announce and get all the hype around it, and then they uh, drop the price later to, <laughs> to soften kinda, the blow. And they're only making 25 of them for the first year, uh, or reserves of 25, and it's going through a very well-known yacht company. Um, they're in Austria. So, uh, again, it's just going into that market to see what it is. That's 100 megawatt battery or 100 uh, kilowatt battery. Power, yeah. So smaller battery than the F-150 Lightning. But from what research we've done, you'll be able to go all day on that. And it is going to have a quick charge, which is kind of ironic. So you'll be able to stop off at a CCS system and do a quick charge on it if need be. But it also opens up the possibility that your docks one day will have solar on top, batteries in the back, and uh, EV charging for your boat could happen yeah we'll i mean see. i think the ev the ev market will come to boating um as we've kind of uh, looked at um uh, with some of these other uh boat manufacturers coming online producing uh boating you know i think that it's going to be a wave but it i think it's about get it a wave but uh <laughs> i think thank it, you for coming you have a good nice night <laughs> i think it's going to be probably two or three years before we see a, a momentum 
in that way. Uh, the cars obviously are, you're seeing the momentum hit hard now with all these manufacturers coming online. Um, I don't, I don't think a lot of people even know that they're making EV boats. Um, and I think that's something that we will see that progress just like EV aircraft. I mean, that's something that I wasn't aware of how much is being invested in that space and how far the technology is progressing. Uh, but that's where companies like Whisperero and others are coming out with, uh, Aurora, um, Alice, uh, and others are coming out with aircraft. Joby. Joby, yeah, are coming out with aircraft opportunities and all of those, I, I didn't know how far progressed they were, but you're talking about having orders for, uh, commercial hundreds and hundreds of aircraft. Are yeah. And, and commercial use for those aircraft coming up within the next few years. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think even NASA, you know, they give a grant to middle Tennessee. That's also being worked with uh, university of Tennessee to develop a large passenger, like a 45 passenger aircraft for the design. So, um, as that technology is explored, I think you're going to have a lot more people go into that market. Um, is it safe? Well, I mean, if you run out of fuel or run out of juice up in the sky, it doesn't matter. They're, they're both as, <laughs> your motors have stopped just as much. So, yeah. um, on that note, I don't think it really matters one way or the other, but, uh, I know early on, I would much rather have a vehicle as an early on adapter than an aircraft, but I'm sure, uh, we're going to be finding out very soon how far it really is. Yeah. I mean, with the reduction of the mechanical aspect, I mean, some people might even consider that to be safer. Yeah. Um, less because there, parts. there's less moving parts, less opportunity for engine failure and things like that. Obviously you have the health of the battery, but that's usually predictable. Um, with my truck, you know, it's battery motors and that's pretty much it. You know, you don't have transmission, you don't have engine. I mean, there's all these moving parts that can act up and flail up and have to be maintained well on an aircraft, well with, you know, an EV aircraft, um, on the tangent that we're on, I think that's something that the maintenance will be less. And so it could be considered even more reliable, um, yeah. because batteries, you know, you know, you know, the status of your battery, um, yeah. but you know, as long as the motors are functioning, you should be relatively. You and know, we'll safe. get into the batteries next on the next article. The other part about the boats, let's go back to it is when you start looking at competitors that do bass fishing, things like that, you know, they want to get to where they're going quickly and they want to be as quiet as they can when they get there. So what if you do have the ability to basically get wherever you want to quicker than everybody else, and you don't have anything but the prop sound, you know, that's going to make an impact on where you're going to and the noise that you're putting out there. So I do see that arena probably opening up to people. The big thing there is, do you have the infrastructure in place right now? You don't. Do you have people who are wanting that technology and willing to pay the extra 30,000 or so? And probably not on a, on a basis of private and, and, you know, at home user, but these competitors, things like that, it's definitely going to be an area you can look at and then see, uh, cause some of these engines you put on these boats, you're looking 20, $30,000 for a really good. Uh, and I mean, you're seeing a lot of basic boats. I mean, they cost a quarter billion dollars yeah. uh, for a new boat. So, I mean, it's one of those things that if it's $30,000 difference, I mean, they don't care. as long as the infrastructure is in place, the fuel savings alone probably make that up over, over the life over of the Over the life of the boat, yeah. probably. But going back into the batteries. So let's go into Toyota. So a couple of weeks ago, they announced that they are working on a solid state battery. So this also goes back into the aircraft and how it's something that when you consider the negatives of uh, the batteries, you know, the, the, the fires and everything that could happen if there's a problem. Um, 
one thing about solid state batteries is it reduces that a lot. So Toyota announced that they are wanting to produce a solid state battery. And I believe it is in 20, what is it? 2028 is when they're expecting it to come to fruition. And that is a 900 mile range solid state battery. And, you know, that would be also a game changer because 900 miles today, the best mileage you can get out of a vehicle is, I believe, the Lucid Air, and it's around 519 miles. So uh, once you start looking at, you know, adding another 400 miles to that, what if you could buy a car today for forty thousand dollars, that gets nine hundred mile range. I mean, that's better than a. Uh, that's better <laughs> and it than still costs twenty dollars at home to yeah. fill it up. You know, if, if that happened, people, it, w- it would completely change the industry even once again. Yeah. So and I mean, if you could get that speed charged, you know, have have that the ability to charge that quickly. I mean, you're talking about long distance road trips mm-hmm. that you're not even stopping one time um, to get from point A to point B. Um, and even if you had to stop a quick charge, I mean, that's that honestly would be more cost-effective and um, yep. technically. And they're 10 minutes. So they expect that solid state, but this is one of the aspects of a solid state battery. You would be able to charge at a much higher rate. So you could literally get 10 minutes of charge and have 900 mile range. So if that's possible and the cost is still equal to what's out there now and the network is sound, then you know that is definitely something I think everybody you, th- all the arguments you would have against it would be um, kind of null, null and void when you have that type of technology. But it's still going to have to get to that point. But Toyota says they can do it. So I'm um, excited uh, to find out if that's going to be the case. Um, you know, and the difference obviously is electrolytes. So uh, when you look at a traditional EV battery, the electrolytes are in a mastic that is more of a fluid, whereas the solid state battery is exactly how it sounds. It's a solid uh, uh, material that stores the battery. So you have a quicker charge that can go into it. You have a much more stable um, and less reactive uh, battery. So um, you, what else is there? You have the uh, potential for a lot higher densities that are in them. I mean, it's just everything. Am I Uh, correct in saying that solid state's lighter? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. So anyway. yeah, I think they're supposed to have longer lifespan as well um, compared to oh, traditional yeah. Yeah. batteries, which, I mean, one of the things that I've always questioned about the EV industry is, you know, yes, today EVs are flooding the market, but in 10, 15 years when EV batteries start to go bad, what's the plan for battery recycling? I don't think that there's that technology in place. But there is only, there's only a handful of companies right now that That's do something it. that's going to have to massively expand. It um, is, yeah. And, and definitely reusing these items because, again, if you want to win over people, make it better than what's here, make it quicker, make it more effective, make it cheaper. If an EV next to an ICE car has every box checked that is better, it's going to make it really hard to want to keep the other one. Yeah. So... Um, but longevity of the battery life would definitely help with that. Um, yeah. Or very cheap batteries that can be installed or even switched out. You know, there, there's so, some car companies that are looking at, you stop at a, one of their facilities, you move your battery out for, with some device, put another battery in it, just like you put a, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, electric car, you know, a remote control car or something and uh, then go down the road. I know that a lot of people looked into that. I don't think that'd be the, what, the route they end up with. 
but it's definitely something that is there to consider. And what's so. interesting about Toyota's announcement is they've kind of stayed completely out of the EV game up to date. Yeah. Um, they don't have any, as far as I'm aware, I don't think they have any EVs on the market. They, they're excellent with their hybrid game. Yeah. Uh, the hybrid van. I mean, like I was shopping for a minivan for my wife a year ago and you know, every van on the market with the highest gas mileage other than the Chrysler Pacifica, which has the plug-in hybrid, um, all of them are 20, 22 miles to the gallon, 25 miles to the gallon. The, uh, Toyota Sienna gets like 40 miles to the gallon. The, really? yeah, like 38, I think, um, mm -hmm. the Toyota Prius gets fifties. I mean, like their hybrids are the top end of fuel efficiency. Yeah. And I think that's what they've said. They really wanted to push, um, is that hybrid technology. But if they come out with a 900 mile range, it don't matter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Whatever Toyota's out there that has that range, that's, yeah, that's going to be a we're popular good. car. That's yeah. going to be a very popular car. So, yeah. So that's the news that we have for right now. Now we're going to switch gears into the frunk. What the frunk are you what talking the about? Frunk. Yeah, what the frunk actually won out. The other one that uh, we had was what was it? Get down and frunky. Yeah, that one I thought was going to win, didn't happen. So, um, basically, what about the frunk? So, people that look at our trucks, one of the first things you notice when you raise the frunk is you have a huge amount of room that you can do anything you want to. And I mean, it's a large amount of space. Something that I never would thought that I would have used. Now, I'm always an open back truck person. I don't have tonneau covers. I don't have anything over the back. So, you know, I couldn't just put stuff in there and lock it. It still rolls around. Whereas in the front, you're able to open it up, have storage compartments. You can do whatever you want to in it. And it holds just about everything you'd want to. Like if you're going to the grocery store, it would hold just most of your groceries unless you have some large items. So um, that is kind of what we're going to go over right now is the benefits of a frunk and, and how you use it. So when, another reason that you would want it is just the noise. Um, on, in our vehicles, I guess the most noise you have is the air conditioned seats is the loudest thing in the truck. So uh, when you don't have that on, you have no other noise. And having that space up front with no engine, it does make a difference. Uh, what, other, what other items are there? Yeah, well, I mean, uh, for me, one of my favorite things, uh, when people are like, is that an electric truck? I'm like, hey, check out the engine on this thing. And I pop, <laughs> I pop the the hood, uh, in quotes, and uh, they're always like, whoa, street cred. But you know, the Lightning has done a really good job at providing a very large uh, frunk. Um, some people don't like the word frunk. Front, really, front trunk. I've heard people like it, but frunk. Um, but I mean, a lot of people uh, find it, you know, like that. I mean, that's I find it to be incredibly practical. Because, you know, on a, on a day-to-day, -day, like you said, groceries, super convenient. But, you know, when you're dealing with road trips, uh, you know, sometimes like right now on the back of my truck, I, the back side of my truck right now is completely full of uh, some materials from a flip that I'm working on. And the front, if I, had, I, I took my kids to uh, grandma's house today, and guess what? put all their bags in the front. Yep. Um, so it, it makes it practical where you have multi-use space um, because sometimes you may have mulch and stuff in the back of your truck. Um, you don't want to sit there and put groceries in the midst of all the junk. Um, and so it gives you kind of compartmentalized space. A lot of people value their trunk space. Um, and I know. guess all these are first, really first world problems. Because, it is. Yeah. I mean, oh, Eighty thousand dollar truck, and I have my mulch in the back, and now I have a place to hold my groceries. But you know, I mean, the there's time, other ways, but 
a lot of times when I'm hearing reviews of minivans, cars, SUVs, they're always talking about the storage space. And, you know, here's how big the back is. Here's how big the back is. You can fit this car seat back here. You can't fit this stroller. But as a parent, as, you know, as a, you know, somebody that has kids in sports and other things, uh, you know, it's very practical to have more storage space. Yeah. I think they designed it to where you could put two sets or more of golf clubs in the front of it. So, um, kind of like the, the side pod that you have on the Rivian yeah, that's pretty was cool. designed to put yeah. a set of golf clubs in. And I think that goes back to, um, even older cars. There's, a, there's several cars back in the day that had a special compartment that could hold golf clubs. And that was one of the things they had for it, but you also have some design, um, it's very difficult to have a, a new conceptual design of a vehicle, but once you relieve that space, now can you move people even further to the front? Do you have the ability to do a very unique front end that's going to be something iconic? You have that ability where before you had the motor in a way. So yeah. you, you, you kind of create some creative abilities for, for people to design something different, and you have more crumple space. I mean, if you get in a front impact, you're still going to have that amount of area uh, uh, to crumple without having an impact of an engine that will, you know, possibly go on the firewall or slop, stop you quicker. So I think that there's a safety part of it too, by not ha having that void there to crush into is going to be uh, beneficial for people. Hopefully I never have to worry about that yeah. and try it out. So, But it also gives you more opportunities for outlets. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Charging. Uh, we have outlets in the front. I, I've continually thought that uh, like landscapers who go from house to house could put the EV systems from EVgo or somebody like that in the front, and then they could charge while they're going back and forth to some of these projects. Um, I've always thought that that would be a unique way of utilizing that system or even having a trailer with the, the large lawnmower that they have. The, uh, um, I don't know the name of it, but it is a, a like a 46, 48 inch deck uh, lawnmower you know, you could charge that going down the road with your truck from yeah. the outlet in the back. So, you know, that's today what happens when all of this becomes something that you can use on a day-to-day -day basis. It's really, I think, going to impact everybody in a positive way. Yeah. And I mean, uh, I, I've noticed that some vehicles, uh, the Cadillac Lyric, I believe, actually doesn't have a front. Um, they utilized all of the space for um, mechanical mechanical stuff. So, I mean, I think gives that, them more space in the back in that. Yeah. Deal, so, yeah. But I mean, I think that there's a, there's a use case for providing the front because it is a solid value, especially on a smaller vehicle. But, you know, one of the things, you know, my wife had a full size SUV and it was always a question of, Hey, when you have kids in the second and third row, how are you going to fit everything that you need on a road trip in the third row? Unless you're renting a small little hitch on the back with a little trailer, a roof rack. Something but, like that. But yeah. now if, if, you know, they provide the ability to have space under the frunk, I mean, that's an extra, I don't know how many cubic feet. It's all dependent on the vehicle. Well, but. I would agree with that because we, my wife has a Telluride. Love it. Um, big fans of the Telluride. This is our third one. Uh, first one was in a, a crash. She, she was hit by somebody and uh, kept her safe, which is the reason why we kept it uh, or went to another new one. Uh, waited for ours to get built and had another one in the meantime. Uh, but because we have three kids, even though it's a third row seat and there's seven seats, the room isn't there. So we have a roof rack with a tonneau system for when we go to the beach or anywhere like that. 
if I had to front, I really wouldn't need that. That would have about the same amount of space. Yeah. So I definitely could see that. It's just, again, you get down to, do you want two EVs? And right now we are not in that, uh, uh, market to have two of them, but, uh, at least the one I like to have the, the petrol as a back backup just in case right now, but speaking. I might be a full EV house. Cause once that uh, Cadillac, Cadillac, yeah, Escalade Cadillac IQ Escalade. gets announced on August. That looks 9th. good. Uh, I might be in trouble. Are you going to be putting down your down payment for that one? My wife has has yep. the googly eyes over it. <laughs> <laughs> that one will probably be one we can review then. They so. have the they have the video, uh, the little the teaser trailer, and it's definitely a teaser trailer, but it looks like it's going to be really sharp. Well, that's so. going to be good too. And I and, and they've learned a lot from the Hummer EV. I'm um, obviously I'm and sure they have a lot the of lyric and there, it's, it's so. very similar to the lyric, but you know, the lyric doesn't have a frunk. So I'd be curious to see if they're going to put that back in the larger size, but also, you know, the GMC Hummer is a massive battery. I mean, I tried what? to come up with a lyric joke there and I just couldn't do it. So <laughs> but the, G, the Hummer has a massive battery, uh, massive weight, 200 um, and some kilowatts. I yeah. mean, it's up so, there. I mean, that's longer charge with yep. the current charging speeds. Uh, but it's so heavy that you need that you size of a battery to get a normal range on it. And it's see, that's where we're going to have a competition too. Ford is saying we're going to be more lightweight materials. We're going to have less parts to make the vehicle cheaper. And we're going to be able to achieve a higher mileage with what we have. Um, I know when Ford went to aluminum for their bodies, there's a lot of pros and cons about that. A lot of things you can see on both sides. But it is a lighter weight body by a large margin, which gives them a higher uh, MPG of just a regular vehicles. So, uh, in the truck world, and again, the F-150 or the F-Series is the high selling vehicle in, in America right now. So they are definitely moving that needle. Um, it's going to be interesting to see when you look at the prices, because you know, right now, I don't think that, uh, there, anybody's making any money on the Hummer when they sell it. Uh, when General Motors sells, I think they're losing money and I don't know what the numbers are for Ford, but I'm sure it isn't a large margin. Uh, so it's going to be interesting when you have double the battery capacity, similar mileage, is that profit margin going to be there? And if it's not, you can only do that for so long before you have to do something else. That's so, where they just have to decrease the cost of the battery itself because, you know, having that functionality, you know, getting longer range batteries for cheaper will open up the sphere, yeah. the sphere to l larger groups of people. Um, but also it'll provide, you know, more cost effectiveness for the, the manufacturer itself. Which you see battery plants opening up every day, uh, yeah. whether it be in McMinn County, Tennessee has a battery plant that they're getting ready to open. You have Ford just announced another battery plant that they're wanting to open. Um, you know, everybody is getting into that game. And as you have that supply, the demand goes down, which makes it more cheaper for everybody. So that's going to be something good. Hopefully that'll keep happening. And, uh, um, then we can, you know, start talking about these as apples to apples comparison with regular vehicles. But, um, anyway, so next up, Talking about vehicles, we have somebody coming on who has had multiple EVs over their driving history. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and which one do they have now? Uh, I think they have a Kia EV6. And we've uh, talked about that vehicle personally on having that as a traveling vehicle for some of the companies that we we work with. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's a very, we've seen them. Um, they can make them. Uh, I think the sport model or whatever model that's the highest end of it is extremely quick, faster than our trucks by a good second, zero to six. I think it's in the twos, even at that all-wheel drive and two, a uh, little over two seconds, like 2.7 or 2.8. I, I don't know the numbers exactly, uh, but, you know, they've made a really nice little car out of it. 
And uh, next, we're going to be talking to somebody who has that vehicle and can give us some answers on comparing it to what else he's driven and uh, what he thinks. All right, we're back. And we have Keese from Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Um, he's currently a Kia EV6 driver, um, has kind of had some experience with driving uh, several different EVs and plug-in hybrids over his years of driving experience. Um, and we have him on the line. Are you there, Keith? Yes, I am. How are you doing today? Pretty good. How are you? Great, great. Uh, so, yeah, with the EV6, uh, how has your experience been with that so far? Uh, I, I really liked it. It's a, it's a really comfortable, you know, really comfortable car with a lot of uh, interior room um, and uh, uh, sits lower. Uh, you know, than, before that I had a Mach-E, so it kind of set up a little bit higher. This one sits down more like a car, even though I, I think they call it a, a crossover <laughs> SUV, small yeah. SUV type of thing, but uh, but it has it sits down low and feels more like a sedan as far as the ride. Yeah, so I mean, you uh, had the the EV six obviously now and the Mach E between the two. Uh, what are your thoughts? They're they're pretty comparable vehicles. Uh, I miss a few things uh, from the, the Mach E that the Kia doesn't offer. Uh, uh, things like walk-away door locks are a feature I really miss that the Teslas I've owned and the, and the Ford had. Uh, Kia doesn't have that, so that's one of those things that just kind of it's a little thing, but it just bothers me, <laughs> you know, that I really wish it had. Uh, but other than that, I think the ride's nicer in the Kia. Uh, but space-wise, they're pretty similar overall uh, in you know as far as cargo capacity and everything. But yeah, it seems like the apples to apples, they're pretty. They're, those are pretty. Those are two that are pretty similar relatively um, to each other. Yeah. Our vehicle. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm not aware. I, we both have F-150 Lightnings, and I don't think ours have walk-away locks. I'm looking it up right now as we speak. I would really like because I leave my vehicle unlocked far too much. Uh, yeah. so it would be very nice to have uh, the walk-away lock feature, but the Mach-E must feature that. Yeah, it, it did, and it was one of those, you know, you, I got used to it between the Tesla and that, and so when I switch over the Kia, I left my car unlocked so many times, and it just it's frustrating because the Kia app will send you a notification that says, hey, you left the car unlocked, and you well, can go into the me. app and push a button to lock it, <laughs> and it's like, yeah, why are you bothering me? <laughs> you have the ability to do it remotely. Just do it instead of sending me that notification. Yeah. Uh, well, what? I'm to pay them a little bit more for that feature to enable it. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's the future but, of it. They're gonna they're gonna make you pay to subscribe to your automatic door locks. You're going to do it and lock it is how they would do. So, what's uh what what originally got you into the EV space? What year did you get into? Um, uh, 2014 is when I got the first, uh, it was a Ford C-Max Energy. So that was, uh, you know, one of the little plug-in hybrids that, uh, got about 24 miles of electric range. And, uh, you know, it's just, I kind of like the, the environmental benefits of getting away from gas and kind of getting into newer technologies that I was interested in. And so at the time I was looking for a car and a local dealer had one of those little energies that were not much price difference between the other you know, comparable vehicles I was looking at and my, my work had just put in, you know, charging stations for free, uh, there. And so I only lived about five miles from my work and figured I could do, you know, probably 75% of my driving on electric, uh, um, and, and, you know, and 
company would pay for my, <laughs> my electric. So. Yeah, which I mean, that's, that's the gigantic of, use case for the local, you know, the local regional driving, especially when you have that network in place. I had the same reason when I was uh, when I got my truck was because the data center I worked at would allow for charging when I was there. So I would drive there, get, uh, you know, 100 miles or so charged free and then get to drive back. So it really did save a lot of money for me to drive back and forth. It's already cost effective as it sits, but then yeah. if you get free energy, you can't, energy, you can't, you can't yeah. beat that. Um, so, I mean, in general, with all the different uh, EV vehicles, you know, how, how have how has your experience been in general across the board over the years as this technology has improved? I've, I've actually always found it to, to be pretty good. I've never uh, had too much of an issue with it. Uh, uh, getting more, you know, living in North Carolina, northern North Carolina, is a, a lot, there's not a whole lot of electric vehicles. At least there wasn't when I first started, started driving them. There weren't uh, very many Teslas even around at that point. Uh, so just answering questions from people and like doubting that you can go anywhere and, <laughs> and people not trusting it. Like even guys that I go out to lunch with from work, they'd be like, you know, they'd be a little like, uh, unsure about it the first few times we go out. Uh, yeah. But, uh, but in general, I've never had a problem. It takes, it takes a little more planning when you're doing long road trips, but, uh, uh, once you kind of get into it, uh, you know, and, and realize what you need to do, it, it's not really that big a deal. Yeah, and I mean, over those years, what key advancements and improvements have you noticed in the industry um, that have kind of made the EV experience better for you? Well, for, for non-Teslas, I mean, there's definitely more chargers than there used to be. Um, there still need to be a lot more uh, to make it uh, really work and, and more reliability in, in that space. But overall, I think just the real thing that I've liked over the years is just seeing the more variety of vehicles coming available. Because um, you know, early on, you really just had the, you know, the Nissan Leaf and the Tesla. You know, that, that was about it. But yeah. uh, starting a couple of years ago, where you, you know, the Leafs get more capable, Chevy Bolts, you know, multiple models of Tesla. Now that you know, Kia and Hyundai and Volkswagen and, and everybody's kind of getting into the space more. It's it's really just getting a lot more variety and then vehicles that people, uh, you know, can afford and and also like to like. Yeah, I think that the EV space is just at the beginning of the curve for, you know, you see all these manufacturers making a major push. Um, I think that we're going to see a, a ton more flood into the market here. You know, I mean, I think the current market share is less than 10%. Um, and I think that we'll see 20 to 30% probably within five years, um, just because of how much these manufacturers are pushing it. And then also the charging infrastructure is on the verge of a major push. Um, and I think that within two years, we're going to see probably three or four X the amount of chargers, especially for CCS drivers like our like our vehicles. Um, you know, I think that that's something that uh, that improvement in technology will increase increase consumer confidence, and so I think that we'll see a gigantic push. Um, you know, and uh, up in that curve, uh, you got in at the very very beginning, uh, <laughs> but it's, it seems like as of now, it's it's something that you're going to see a rapid expansion moving forward. Um, but yeah, I mean, the EV6 is generally a lot of buzz. I know that they're coming out with the EV9 uh, this uh, fall. Uh, could you share your thoughts on what kind of sets the EV6 apart from other electric vehicles you've owned and what features and capabilities that have impressed you the most compared to the other vehicles you've driven? 
Yeah. So I guess the EV6, I, at first I really liked it. It was just different, you know, and, and um, I just wanted to, it was one of Kia's first major uh, releases for EV, so I wanted to give it a try. Um, but, uh, you know, when I, when I test drove it the first time, you know, just the space inside is, is pretty impressive. Uh, you know, it's got a lot of space. I'm, I'm a big guy, so space up front is, is the thing I really like. And, and the Kia's uh, driver seat area is kind of the biggest of almost any of the vehicles I've, I've driven. And even with my seat all the way back, you know, whatever, there's still enough room for a passenger to sit fairly comfortably behind me. So uh, the space was good. And just the overall, you know, the fit and finish for, you know, a lot of people have a, a bad opinion of Kias from, you know, many years ago. But, uh, you know, my brother's always had, like, Kia Sportages and things. So I, I, I didn't really have it. But I was impressed with the, you know, the quality of the, the feel of the car as far as the, the finish of it. Uh, um and then, in addition to the you know the range, you know, the, I've actually had multiple EV6s over the last year. Uh, the, the the range on the rear wheel drive versus being over three hundred is impressive. Yeah, uh, I mean, I've been all wheel drives so I can come two seventy five. Yeah, I mean, I've been, I've been impressed with the Kia space in general. I mean, they they've done a really good job at updating their brand in the last five years, um, and you're seeing a lot of their vehicles be, you know, compared to their competition, you know. For instance, the Telluride compared to the Palisade and some of the other, you know, equivalent vehicles, they stand out with a lot of the higher end, you know, the most technologically advanced, most appealing vehicles. Um, and, you know, the, the Kia and the minivan space, the Kia Carnival has the most features compared to all of the other vans. And obviously, you know, the the vehicles themselves seems like they've definitely improved in reliability. But from what I've experienced, I think Kia has really stepped up their game and have really, you know, they have a, a, a forefront in the car market for those brackets of vehicles that they're in that they really do set themselves apart for the technology improvements. Uh, you know, they have large uh, screens, nicer seats, more, you know, more comfortable seats, uh, better, better leather, you know, different quality interiors. And so you're seeing a lot of those different uh, variables come in play. Uh, I shopped for a Telluride for my wife a year ago, and it was one of those things that it looked like Kia compared to all the other competition for those midsize SUVs really did stand apart as like the, the chief end of the, uh, of the quality game. But also it was impossible to find because they were so booked out in the uh, ordering and that whole issue. But yeah. All right. So last yeah. question. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, yeah, okay, that was one of the things. Like in the trim level, the GT line is what I have. There's a lot of features that I didn't ever have before on a vehicle that were offered standard in that trim level that are I've come to really like. Uh, like things like the heads-up display, blind spot cameras, mm -hmm. uh, even ventilated seats are standard in that trim level or things that I would have never paid for uh, if they were <laughs> options. <laughs> but the fact that they were included with the package, now that I have them, I kind of like, they're almost becoming uh, maybe requirements for my next vehicle. Which, the blind spot cameras uh, definitely because my truck doesn't have them, but my wife's Telluride does. So it makes a big difference when you're turning left or right. You know, you don't think much of it, but I've, you know, <laughs> and then warning you if there's a car to your left when you put on the signal. It's kind of aggravating sometimes, but in the key, it at least lets you know where my truck doesn't. So in a yeah. bigger vehicle, it makes it a lot easier to kind of bump something. But a lot of times those tech features, like for instance, in the Ford line, if you want a heads-up display, it doesn't exist. Yeah. <laughs> you have to go to Lincoln. You have to go to Lincoln in order to get that 
in a lot of different vehicles, you don't see a feature like heads up display until you get to the upper end uh, model trims and things like that. But oftentimes you see vehicles like, uh, like Kia has that um, on their upper end trim levels, but they're very cost effective to have all of those bells and whistles like that. All right. So to wrap up, what is your next vehicle after you get done with this? And what do you want to go towards next? Well, there's there's a number of them I'm out there looking at uh, that are, it's really going to be what's ever most available, but the, the ones I'm, I'm keeping an eye on are Cadillac Lyrics, uh, the Fisker Ocean uh, SUV, mm-hmm. and uh, maybe something like the, the Chevy Blazer or the Chevy Equinox when they come out with an electric version, uh, but something mm-hmm. uh, probably a little bit bigger as far as storage capacity, uh, you know, for hauling luggage and stuff on road trips. That would be the, the one thing I'd, I'd like to see in my next electric vehicle. So, And a, a, as a, a last question, point B, does <laughs> what is the frunk space like in your EV6? <laughs> well, <laughs> it, it has, it has a, technically they say it has a frunk, but it, it's, it's about useless. It's a, it, you could maybe put a small laptop bag or like a charger. I, I, I remember charger. seeing a review. I think it was smaller on the EV6. Yeah, it's a tiny, it's a tiny little thing, so you can't really uh, use it for much except maybe a store and a charging cable or something. Up there, gotcha. so. Yeah, our uh, our trucks, you know, we have the lightnings, and so I mean, we have massive frunks, and we, we were talking today about how useful they are. But I'm curious. Yeah, you've uh, ruined it with that. You you brought this out, and you were trying to have a callback on trunk and frunk space, and now you've ruined it. So it's, it's all gone. That's okay. Yeah, thank you. but yeah, that's one thing. I think I think Kia uses some of that space. They put more of the other stuff up there and give more more of that passenger compartment space yeah. uh, versus other manufacturers. And, and like yeah, like we had discussed, I, th- I don't think the Lyric actually has a frunk at all. Um, I think that you could pop yeah. the hood, but it's just uh, tech servicing. Yeah, and I think with the smaller vehicles, you notice that they have to use more of that, and the larger vehicles they could fit more space on. But that's something that could be an opportunity to improve on future models. So. I'm sure they will. Well, we appreciate your time today, Keith. Thank you so much. All right. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Well, another episode of Turn Down for What? Yep. It's, uh, you know, I think the conversation around, you know, the evolution of the charging infrastructure, I think that there's improvements to be made there that are going to come, you know, in the near future. I think that uh, the Frunks, uh, obviously, it seems like uh, he's been in the space for a while, but I think that. The frunk is not something that he utilizes because yeah. uh, there's not that available well, for his laptop or his charger or something yeah. like that. It's so. good to store your charger there, I guess, but uh, something I think that you see the midsize, the larger vehicles have. Um, but yeah. Yep. Ruined our theory. So it's over with. There's other vehicles with good fronts. So. Yeah. Anyways, thank you for tuning in. Uh, check back next week for a new episode. Yep. Thank you very much. <laughs>